Star Wars, The Hero. Religious people don't want to fit into society, don't try to force them to fit into society, they don't want that. When I say religious, I mean all those people who refuse to accept reality slash and to fit in it. Monotheism has just provided the support for the religious body to do so, a personal god. An illusory character, intermediary, between the religious and society. It's the enemy of esotericism, hence their hatred for it. You cannot not be around these people. The religious will not bring you anything, they have decided to be withdrawn from the society of men. So it's useless to talk to them. From Awakening Kundalini, The Path to Radical Freedom By Lawrence Edwards Campbell discovered that the archetypal journey of the hero has three phases to it regardless of who the heroine or hero is, mythic or real. Campbell summarizes the sequence of the hero's journey in three phases, leaving, initiation, and return. First, the journey demands that the hero leaves ordinary life and society, sometimes it's by choice, sometimes it's by circumstances or accidents that force them out of society and onto their quest. The hero or heroine is one who picks up the quest and is carried forward by transpersonal, archetypal, or mystical forces that are constellated by the quest. They summon what they can internally and externally to meet the demands of the quest, which, by its very nature, will require more than they will ever be able to gather alone. Secondly, the hero or heroine goes on a mythic journey during which they encounter supernatural forces or extraordinary situations that demand extraordinary responses from them and assistance from beyond the ordinary mind and everyday reality, may the force be with you. In the process of meeting these demands, overcoming obstacles, persevering, discovering hidden supports, and so forth, they develop profound skills or strength, profound awareness, an open heart, deep compassion, or some other qualities. In this way they are initiated into a higher mode of being and functioning. As they reach the end of that segment of the hero's quest, after having been through the ordeal and initiation, they take possession of something of great value. It may be that they found it in some remote place or, in the archetype of the spiritual quest, it is found within. Lastly, the hero returns to their group or nation or humanity with the extraordinary prize to share it for the benefit of others. Campbell's book Hero with a Thousand Faces brilliantly discusses many examples of this archetypal journey. Campbell summarizes the sequence of the hero's journey in three phases, leaving, initiation, and return. This sequence is repeated over and over again in countless myths. Joseph Campbell was a consultant on the original Star Wars trilogy. Luke Skywalker and what he went through depicted the myth of the H. Uro's journey, as well as was his father's journey to the dark side and back. We see the hero's myth in what Frodo went through in The Lord of the Rings as well, and the list of movies and stories focusing on the hero's journey goes on and on, Moses and the Ten Commandments, The Lion King, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Golden Compass, The Matrix Trilogy, The Harry Potter series, Avatar, and many others. The mythic journey is perennially engaging for people because it offers the deep wisdom necessary for understanding the profound meaning of a purpose-driven life. The higher the purpose, the greater the meaning but also the greater the challenges and sacrifices demanded. This is why the image of the underworld in esoteric traditions. It is necessary to go beyond the habitual structures of thought and to overcome them. You'll need to discover what to overcome and who you are. From Edgar Casey, The Meaning of Life and What to Do About It by Stephen Hawley Martin. Campbell was a professor at Sarah Lawrence College who studied and taught comparative mythology and comparative religion. He wrote a shelf full of books covering a number of aspects of the human experience, including his best-known work, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, 1949, in which he expounded upon his theory of the journey of the archetypal hero. 
The hero's journey is a virtually ubiquitous tale recounted in mythologies in many different and diverse cultures across the globe. Ask any Hollywood writer or producer, and he or she will tell you it's the plot at the core of the majority of successful movies and novels. George Lucas used it to create Star Wars and even consulted with Joseph Campbell on the early episodes. I believe we humans are so attracted to and taken by this storyline because we identify with it, subconsciously. We do. The nature of myth is the same as that of our brain. The brain works in this way, in the abstract. Hence the need for esotericism in humans, the need for myths. And the error of the religious who cannot get the myth and see some historical facts, then for example the need for them of a historical Jesus. You see, we each are a hero that has left home, our ordinary world, to undertake a perilous journey into and through the arduous, hard knock, physical dimension. That's what life is about, an adventure. From Secrets of the Force, the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of Star Wars by Edward Gross and Mark A. Altman. Ray Morton, Senior Editor, Script Magazine. Lucas's most significant creative decision in crafting the script for Star Wars was to purposefully infuse his narrative with a mythic structure, the classic hero's journey plot identified by Joseph Campbell in his book The Hero with a Thousand Faces as one that has recurred in the legends, folk tales, and fairy stories of every culture across the globe. Lucas then enhanced this decision by peopling his story with archetypal characters resembling those who have appeared in the narratives of all of the world's storytelling traditions. In my opinion, it was this choice by Lucas to deliberately construct his B-movie narrative around these universal prototypes and archetypes from the collective myth that made it possible for Star Wars to connect with so many different people in so many different countries in the deep and meaningful way that it did and continues to do. Audiences in every part of the world could and can watch the film and find something familiar and resonant in it. So, no, having a young woman as a hero is not problematic in Star Wars. If it is problematic, it's because the theme of the movie and of life is not understood. It's always the same people, the religious who cry out for novelty, without understanding the esoteric significance of the religious texts. Religious people are socially maladjusted. They will not make this journey towards themselves, too afraid of it, too weak. Then they will never return to society. Then always be a social threat for society. From sword fighting in the Star Wars universe, historical origins, Style and Philosophy by Nick Jamila All great stories have a beginning, a middle, and an end. The concept of a mythic hero has become part of common parlance when referring to the events that befall Anakin and Luke Skywalker. But as an outside observer, it is important to critique Lucas's own comments on Star Wars and myth. Lucas has made numerous statements that he wanted to make a modern myth. It is even an unwritten corporate policy among writers associated with Lucasfilm to describe Star Wars as myth. The most easily referenced statement on Lucas's insistence that Star Wars is directly influenced by Joseph Campbell comes from a Bill Moyers interview in the April 26, 1999, issue of Time when Lucas said, With Star Wars one consciously set about to recreate myths and the classic mythological motifs? I wanted to use those motifs to deal with issues that exist today. The more research I did, the more I realized that the issues are the same ones that existed 3,000 years ago that we haven't come very far emotionally. We don't. This is what those Christians don't understand. The religious, those moderns in mentality, don't understand the myth, of the hero, and the Jesus story. These modern idiots think that a historical Jesus lived. It's heartbreaking of idiocy. These people are. As Lucas has always maintained, potential is defined by the choices a person makes. There's something about this boy. 
You should be very proud of your son. He gives without any thought of reward. Well, he knows nothing of greed. He has a... He has special powers. Yes. He can see things before they happen. That's why he appears to have such quick reflexes. It's a Jedi trait. He deserves better than a slave's life. Had he been born in the Republic, we would have identified him early. The Force is unusually strong with him. That much is clear. Who was his father? There was no father. I carried him. I gave birth. I raised him. I can't explain what happened. The pivotal religious aspect in the Star Wars saga concerning the Force was the prophecy of the Chosen One, the appearance of someone who would destroy the Sith by bringing balance to the Force. Christian influence of a virgin birth, Lucas says it was common to many religions, is the clearest real-world connection. Early on, before the completion of the prequel trilogy, the lingering question was whether the Chosen One was Luke or Anakin. Lucas states categorically in the Chosen One documentary that Anakin brings balance to the Force by destroying the evil Sith when Vader killed the Emperor. Brings balance to the Force is the key concept here. For without balance, there is chaos. The need for the middle path without polarities. The religious constantly oscillates between polarities. The aim of esotericism is to control of one's biology. Here again. Lucas remains consistent in his duality of the Force with the prophecy that the expunging of evil leads to the proper equilibrium of the universe. It remains in line with the Christian concept that a universe absent of evil is by definition the perfect union and goodness of God. I don't think the author of this book understands what he just said. If the Force is dualistic, consistent in its duality of the Force, then there is no need to get rid of a polarity, the expunging of evil. This is the mistake of religious people, the Christian's people and their obsession with evil. Which makes them totally neurotic on a daily basis. Christianism is not the only religion that has put the emphasis on the good-slash-evil dichotomy. But in the West, the religious are them. And they inflict this duality on a daily basis into the Western society. And makes the Western society so difficult to bear on a daily basis. A strong case for the Christ-Anakin allegory has been made by James Law Aller, a professor of philosophy at the University of Buffalo. In his article The Forces With Us, Hegel's philosophy of spirit strikes back at the empire, in which he uses Hegel's interpretation of Christ having to endure a descent into the world of evil. You don't endure a descent into the world of hell, you choose this descent into hell. It's part of the initiatic process and you have to go through it whether you like it or not. Jesus becomes human in an imperfect, and therefore evil, world. No. This is not understanding esotericism. This world is not imperfect. This mind and its functioning is imperfect. It is this mind that must be changed, not the world. Hence the progressive destruction of this human species, which destroys its environment and I would say also his own biology. Jesus' separation from the perfection of God constitutes the evil of the world. No. This vision of evil is an imperfection of the mind. High S descent is followed by an ascent into perfection through love, which reconnects Jesus with his divine nature. Yes, that is correct. Many writers have identified Star Wars as a monomyth, a term coined by Joseph Campbell, 1904-1987, a professor of mythology who is widely considered the primary influence on the Star Wars saga. The monomyth is the synthesis of a broad story outline that, according to Campbell, explains the similarities of the tales told in cultures around the world at various times in history. 
While interesting in terms of comparative cultural studies, the monomyth is so broad and general that, that it is very easy to apply details of particular tales and legends to its format. This is the human theme, the awakening. The person who discovers who he is behind this illusion of separation, produced by the mental faculties. The same mind, which it is a question of changing in esotericism. Not the world, the mind needs to be changed. And where Campbell attempts to synthesize cultural creativities, the monomyth can also be criticized for what it leaves out in terms of iconic or plot elements. The monomyth works because it expresses the basic plot ideas that make all stories successful and complete. The idea of a figure who faces adversity and then conquers it by creating some solution is fundamental to all storytelling. In one sense, it is good that humanity can be seen as universal in their experiences, but the uniqueness and individuality of each culture and its traditional stories can be lost in such loose and broad comparisons. Because there is no difference between cultures. What is not understood by the masses? Masses who do not awaken, no initiation for them, don't understand that there is no difference between people, and that what they perceive is perceived. This is why the masses are racist by nature. The story of Christ is profoundly different from that of Arjuna or Siddhartha. No, it is not. These differences are perceived and not real. To lump origin myths together is an interesting task for comparative religious studies, but in another sense it is insulting that the uniqueness of particular cultures are agglomerated and made to conform to a neat and orderly arrangement. This particularity does not exist, only with the mental faculties that cut, classify information. But this is just a mental activity, not what you are. From Shimmering Sword, Samurai, Western, and Star Wars Sword Fighting by Nick Jamila. Despite the popular consensus, encouraged by Lucas and his philosophical mentor Joseph Campbell, Star Wars is not a myth, but an epic in the ancient tradition, telling the tales of men and women as masters of their own destiny. If you add that element of destiny, then by definition the story becomes meaningful. If the story is meaningful then told, then it becomes a useful myth. Star Wars is a story told for the purpose of helping people to awaken. The confused author of this book is everything that is wrong with C.H. Christianism, a ridiculous sense of particularism. Useless people. The Christian who has the verve of a child and who does not want to lend his toys. In the West, there is no more narrow-minded and racist and socially sterile than the Christian, this is the religious of the West. From Spiritually Incorrect Enlightenment, The Enlightenment Trilogy Book 2, The Enlightenment Trilogy by Jed McKenna. For those of you who weren't privileged to observe my performance here last month, a few chuckles, I pointed out the same thing I'm going to discuss tonight, that life isn't a spectator sport, that each of us is in it as much as anyone has ever been, that stories like Star Wars and the Bhagavad Gita aren't someone else's stories, there are stories. I think one of the reasons for this artificial distancing is the godlike quality of the people we see as heroes. This was not understood by the Christian. Who is always the subject of his mind. This godlike quality is where you have to go. The Christian the religious in general, still a subject of his mind, cannot see this aspect. Aspect he considers as heretical. Hence the almost millennial hunt against mystics people by the religious. Not by religions by the religious people. The mind cannot understand that there is something beyond it, because you identify yourself with your mental faculties. And you are therefore a retarded adolescent. I like to quote the following from Activate Your Vagus Nerve, Unleash Your Body's Natural Ability to Heal by Dr. Nivaz Habib. Our bodies are designed to live and survive without the need for conscious thought. Which means that the body does not need the mental activity to function. That is not understandable by the mind. Mind that thinks to be God. Hence the monotheistic appeal among religious people. 
which echoes their egocentrism and the religious emphasis on mental faculties. A monotheistic God, an all-powerful God. In fact the religious refer to the mind when they speak of God. This monotheism which ravaged Greek pantheism and destroyed the Western civilization. And I doubt there will be an after-West, as there is no need for esotericism in this Western society. This civilization will just die out. This next part, marked massive men, is just that. This is where most everybody is. This is the line that you could isolate as its own spectrum of awakeness and place yourselves and virtually everyone you know along it somewhere. I marked it massive men because of Thoreau's statement, the massive men lead lives of quiet desperation. Here's where it gets good, I say, circling the point at which the downward slanting line turns straight down and where the dotted vertical line divides the board into flesh and spirit. This is where real life begins, where we get into our true potential. This causes some stirring and gee, rumbles. But we could get stuck here all night if I don't forge on, so I do. I've marked one side flesh and one side spirit because this is where that transition occurs. Death of the flesh, birth of the spirit. That's why you have the resurrection in esotericism, the central theme. No savior of mankind has ever existed, none. You are here to awaken by yourself. Human childhood on the left, human adulthood on the right. This is where the small, segregated being ends and the boundless integrated being is born death and rebirth just observe for now i should point out that this isn't my little pet theory this is the human map it's not eastern or western or christian or hindu it's human and you'll find it wherever you find people from the heroine's journey for writers readers and fans of pop culture by gail Carriger. i need hardly say that the first star wars movie is a hero's journey both george lucas the creator of star wars and joseph campbell the creator of the hero's journey as a field of study, openly acknowledged the correlation. Lucas admits to having read The Hero with a Thousand Faces, 1949, and intentionally using it as a template for Star Wars, documented via quotations from Lucas in the authorized biography Joseph Campbell, A Fire in the Mind by Stephen and Robin Larson, 2002, page 541. Luke's birth contains elements of his being fated or ordained for something heroic, although we don't necessarily know about this in the first movie. Call to Adventure Luke follows some droids and encounters a mentor in the guise of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and supernatural aid in the form of the lightsaber. Obi-Wan urges Luke to seek his destiny and learn the ways of the Force. Luke tries to go home, at which juncture it's made clear this is no longer an option. His family is taken away from him, his parental figures murdered, and his home burned. Even at the beginning of his quest, this hero can never truly return home. Withdrawal Luke then begins his quest. In his first major withdrawal, he will engage in this pattern a lot through the course of these movies, Luke abandons what is left of his family and community. Princess Leia Organa shows up to act the required role of seductress and distraction. Luke engages in a virtual descent into the underworld, the garbage masher. His mentor-slash-father figure is killed, finally leading us to the point where Luke, alone in his fighter, takes on the insurmountable odds of a whole Death Star. He defeats the enemy and retrieves a boon, which again takes the form of acknowledged mastery and recognition of his skills. Return The movie ends with a classic return motif, the ritual presentation of medals of honor, a physical manifestation of recognition of victory. Interestingly enough, the final scene is one of glory within the group, unusual in a hero's journey, and perhaps tied to the humor and heist trope component of these movies. Human inertia. Civilization is correlated with femininity and stasis, our hero will lose what it means to be a hero if he returns and reintegrates fully into cohesive society. 
is civilization feminine passive? Or this human inertia is inherent to the mind? This same mind that must be overcome. No, a society is not passive, it's the opposite. A society is active by definition. And this is what the West has forgotten. On the other hand, the mind must be overcome before understanding this, mind is passive, reactive. Reactive because the brain is not conscious of itself, it's an organ, from the Lunarable, about the spiritual significance of matriarchy by Peter Fritz Walter, I found Joseph Campbell's books in 1998, through a reference in The Great Mother, by Eric Newman. Joseph Campbell basically affirms that patriarchy is a form of collective neurosis, not a lifestyle, not a philosophy, not a Weltanschauung. No evidence is cited by the author. I doubt that Joseph Campbell ever said this or even wrote it. Joseph Campbell was a mythologist not a repressed child. Patriarchy, with its craving for obedience to the father, is a sort of compulsion neurosis. Not only are individuals flattened out by systems that are paternal hierarchies and replacements of real fathers, those that have typically abandoned their roles as true caretakers, having become troublemakers, but authority-craving individuals also have flattened out their better halves, their right brains, so as to serve the system. I read the tears of a child who refuses to grow up. If you don't want to deal with this kind of crazy on a daily basis, you don't have to. You don't have to respond to the solicitations of crazy people. I'm not sure many get this. From Three Story Method, Foundations of Fiction Book 1 of 2, Three Story Method by Jay Thorne, Zach Bohannon, et al. With the rise of modern feminism and approaching the new millennium, Maureen Murdoch published The Heroine's Journey in 1990. Murdoch met Joseph Campbell in 1981, and she presented him with her take on the hero's journey. She felt that the focus of female spiritual development was to heal the internal split between a woman and her feminine nature. Sometimes I think some people are really too stupid to live. Internal split between a woman and her feminine nature, what does that mean? Probably nothing, like those people. The big question is whether you are going to be able to say a hearty yes to your adventure. Joseph Campbell and Joseph Campbell and the Power of Myth with Bill Moyers, video. From You Are a Badass, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life by Jen Sincero. Getting clear about what your unique purpose is can be the difference between living a happy, fulfilled life of abundance, choice, and expansiveness or living in the restrictive veal pen of your own indecision and tired old excuses. From Your Hate Mail will be graded by John Scalzi. The word entertainer has as an assumption that the creator-slash-actor is reaching out to his or audience to engage them. George Lucas doesn't bother with this. He won't keep you out of his universe, he just doesn't care that you're in it. Yes little man, that's what differentiates a living person from a robot. The robot is collectivist by definition and needs the other. The living person does not need the other because he is whole. The living person does not need others to complete him. This is what differentiates the functional person in society from the religious. And the reason why the religious person navigate in polarities, always, from hate to joy, entertainment. Mom, you can't quantify it like that. I mean, what difference does it make if it's 40% or 60%? 60%? Hey, why is everybody getting so serious all of a sudden? I thought we were gonna talk about buying new carpeting, getting rid of this crap, putting in the wall to wall. Life is so rich, so full. You have wife, a child, good job. Why are you doing this? If I could pop in here for a second, I think that what Mel is trying to communicate here is that no matter where we are in our lives, especially if we're adopted, we can't help but feel that there's something missing, that there's something out there that's going to make us feel complete. 
Give us a sense of belonging, connectedness, if you will. This woman strikes me as being very dangerous. From Star Wars Psychology, Dark Side of the Mind, Volume 2, Popular Culture Psychology, Star Wars Psychology, Dark Side of the Mind by Travis Langley, Editor. Forward, Why Star Wars Matters. Carrie Goldman, author of Bullied, What Every Parent, Teacher, and Kid Needs to Know About Ending the Cycle of Fear, HarperCollins, 2012. Why do we have wars, if everyone is always wishing for peace? Why do some people do bad things to others? A four-year-old girl asked me last year. There are the usual answers, lengthy explanations of land, politics, power, and religion, but the elegant simplicity of the young child's question deserved an equally direct answer. I think it comes down to two things, I told her. The first is fear, and the second is a lack of empathy. Fear of what? She persisted. A good question, because not all fear is bad. Fear of danger is what keeps us alive, just as fear of hunger motivates us to work and provide food for our families. But fear can morph and distend and become maladaptive. Fear of those who are different can lead to mistreatment, fear of losing power and privilege can lead to inequality, fear of change can lead to close-mindedness, and fear of pain can lead to desperation and betrayal. Fear of pain, hence the incessant need of the human being to escape from pain. Pain is part of life. Why? Because you can't escape unsatisfying moments in your life. The human has this extraordinary faculty to be able to use his mental capacities to escape from mental pain, it's doom. The religious are these people per excellence, always inventing themselves an idyllic world. This makes them crazy. It's untraceable. Fascinating. You two should exchange notes over coffee. So now you're trying to set me up with a jewel thief. At this point, I'd set you up with a chimpanzee if it brought you back to the world. There's nothing out there for me. And that's the problem. You hung up your cape and your cow, but you didn't move on. You never went to find a life, to find someone. Alfred. I did find someone. I know, and you lost them. But that's all part of living, sir. But you're not living. You're just waiting, hoping for things to go bad again. When you combine unhealthy fear with a lack of empathy, you open a psychological door that allows people to harm others without pangs of conscience. This is why religious people are always a social danger. And why monotheistic religion should be banned socially. In milder forms, fear without empathy leads to attitudes of entitlement and unkindness manifested as bullying behaviors. In its most extreme forms, this lethal psychological combination leads to severe bullying or even genocide, as we saw in Hutu Rwanda or Nazi Germany. When you view another person as less than human, you feel entitled to do whatever you want of that person. In puzzling through how to explain these concepts to a small child, I turned to an ancient form of education, storytelling. This is why antiquity was superior and morally superior to modernity. People learn better through stories. If you want to convey the full breadth of the human condition, create an epic story that allows a large cast of characters to feel all the feelings. Share that story far and wide, so that different people with diverse life experiences can hear the same story and identify with the complex range of human emotions. If the story is good enough, it will have staying power, and it will be told for generation after generation. The moderns are so alien to their own nature that they no longer understand the myth. It is not by chance that Christians, religious people in general, do not understand that religious stories are in fact myths. The very best tales will transcend cultures and languages. Star Wars has achieved, that, level of immortality. For example, the central figure in the first six theatrical Star Wars films is Anakin Skywalker.
The progression of his character serves as a metaphor to help people understand the role that fear plays, and the role that finding empathy plays in opening the heart to acts of redemption. Star Wars matters because it gets people talking to each other. This is the problem with modernity, people don't communicate anymore. Not knowing themselves, they see a only difference everywhere. Hence this obsession of moderns to define themselves all the time. I'm homosexual, I'm heterosexual, I'm bisexual. I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm binary. I'm Christian, I'm atheist, I'm Muslim, I'm Jewish. I'm from the left, I'm from the right. Etc. If you define yourself, then you are alien to yourself. You need the other to define yourself because you are not complete or you do not feel complete. It's on a feeling as there is no outside but only perceptions. Introduction, Lights in the Dark Side. Travis Langley, life on this planet is too brief to plod mundanely through it when our minds can appreciate so much more. William James, we are all ready to be savage in some cause. The difference between a good man and a bad one is the choice. A discussion with Darth Maul, Sam Witwer interview on the antithesis of self-actualization. Jenna Bush and Travis Langley. Witwer, in the film, Star Wars. Episode 1 The Phantom Menace, he's a well-trained apprentice who had all this potential. He was anxious. He was confident. He was in control and eager to prove himself to his master. Things didn't really go as well as he'd hoped. He got cut in half and sent down a bottomless pit and that's not really good for anyone. But he survived. He survived because of the absolute self-obsession that fuels the Sith. This absolute self-obsession is indispensable in the initiatic process. Contrary to what the non-esoteric people maintain. Awakening will bring altruism, equal to no sense of separation, but in order to access this, you must first die to this world, die to your egocentrism. Don't try to get rid of your ego in the process of awakening, ego is actually the main character in it. This ego that will be destroyed in the process, when you will understand who you are. Joseph Campbell All the gods, all the heavens, all the hells, are within you. From the World According to Star Wars by Kassar Sunston Star Wars unifies people. No. This sense of unity is your own nature, hidden behind this particularism. Particularism inherent to the mental activity, mental activity that cuts and classifies all the time. If you can isolate this mind, the condition of awakening, then you will see your true nature, hidden behind the mind. Star Wars offers a modern version of a universal tale, the hero's journey. Lucas was self-conscious about this drawing directly on Joseph Campbell's wildly influential book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, which sets out the central life events that unify countless myths. In its essentials, the hero's journey is the tale of Jesus Christ, Buddha, Krishna, and Muhammad, and also Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, Jessica Jones, and Luke Skywalker, and Anakin, too, and also Rey, and possibly Finn and Kylo. Yes. Myth is awakening, to understand one's true nature. The brain works in an abstract way, and this is what you have to find out. It's the initiative process. The hero's journey has deep psychological resonance. It taps directly into the recesses of the human psyche. Whoever you are, it's your tale as well. Star Wars also makes a bold claim about freedom of choice. The freedom of choice that has been denied since the advent of the collectivist doctrine. We have seen it again with the collectivist treatment of COVID in the West which cannot get rid of this collectivist mentality because the West has no more esoteric tradition. No more initiative support for the young. It is historically the West that has created all these collectivist ideologies because the Westerner, as a non-initiate, perceives an exterior, whereas these are only perceptions. Hence the feeling of incompleteness. 
hence the racist fear of difference. Hence the last 200 years of the West. And I don't want to be too pessimistic, but the episode of the collectivist treatment of COVID in the West shows me that I am right to be afraid of the West which will end up recreating some form of collectivism and millions of dead. Just as people did not want to face the reality in the time of arrival of Bolshevism and Nazism, the West does not want to see the next collectivist wave coming. And yet it will come as surely as it is programmed to come by the passivity of the Westerner. That little child who is afraid of life and don't want to grow up. That's the hidden message in the real magic of Star Wars, and the foundation of its rousing tribute to human freedom. It's this same freedom that the Westerner does not want, and refuses for 1800 years, supported by the monotheistic egocentric doctrine. But once again, the Westerner will not face his demons, and they will swallow him up, as they have been swallowed up him for 1800 years. There were people living upstairs. Around about for judgment. And hang them where the world can see. He says the leap to freedom is not about strength. My body makes the jump. Survival is the spirit, the soul. My soul is as ready to escape as my body. Fear is why you fell. No, I'm not afraid. I'm angry. I'll open that tunnel, then I'm gone. There's more to you than that. 